This is Living It Up, a refreshing daily podcast to help you get excited about beginning your day or your entire life all over again, only this time with a loving God at the center. We hope you experience joy from listening and find yourself (laughs) laughing and living it up on the way to beginning again. For more teaching and encouragement from the Neals, visit their Facebook page at Living It Up Beginning Again or their website at livingitup.org. Now, here's Scott and Teresa. Hey, everybody. This is Tuesday. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm Scott, along with my lovely wife, Teresa. And we're just so happy to have y'all with us. And, uh, man, we got some, I think we got a couple of people in our studio. What's going on? Where did y'all come from? <laughs> we sure do. We would just Usually like we have Troy here, but we, well, have, he's uh, here somewhere. we actually have two human beings with us. I know, and, and we all just had this fantastic lunch, so I'm getting a little bit sleepy, but we're going to work through that. Well, this is a very special day. It's Testimony Tuesday, and um, we are going to discuss a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, which is Alzheimer's. And for those of you listening, this is not intended to be depressing. It's not intended to bring you down. We just know firsthand uh, experience what the holidays are like when this diagnosis uh, hits your family. And so we don't want to talk about that. We think it's very relevant. We are blessed that we have um, the program director from Alzheimer's. Her name is Shelly Young here with us. And she's got a, just a wealth of information to share with us. And we also are joined by our dearest friend, a friend of mine that I've known since, wow, Melinda. Do we dare say? (laughs) Long time. Actually, I think we were 16 because you started riding to school with me. Melinda Brock. And Melinda is joining us not just because we love her, but because um, her father has recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so she brings the perspective uh, of just this recently hitting their family to the table. Ours is, of course, um, my mom having passed away in May after her I'm sorry, April, April. after her battle for seven years. And Shelly's goes without saying, being from the organization. Welcome to both of y'all. We want to say thank you for joining us. And we, again, are here to help. We are here to help people begin again with what we call the new normal. And this is a ministry. And so we also are here to share the Lord in this and to offer hope. And we, you know, again, have gone through this. We were from beginning to end, and we want to share what we've learned and how some positive ways we came to terms in dealing with this that we really think that will help. And hopefully there will be a lot of things you haven't heard before. So having said all that, we're going to open up with, with you, Shelly, if that's okay. Absolutely. Shelly, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Okay, well, my name is Shelly Young, and I represent the Alzheimer's Association of North Central Texas, and we are actually part of a national organization. We serve the entire United States, so no matter where you live, uh, there's a way for you to get help, and there's always someone for you to talk to. Um, but more importantly, I am a daughter of Alzheimer's. My mom had Alzheimer's disease for over 10 years, and she passed away about about three and a half years ago. And then I'm also caring for my father who has a Parkinson's related dementia. And so I have seen uh, the dementia experience from several, several different perspectives and I'm happy to share that. Thank you so much. You. Melinda. Hello. Hello. Melinda over there. Melinda, why don't you tell us, I know your dad was recently diagnosed. Can you tell us approximately how long it's been since, you know, all of this has happened? I think for us, when I started seeing it happen was probably back April, May of this past year. Um, diagnosis came in August uh, for some confirmations that we had seen some things going on and questioning. Um, and he, my father was diagnosed with frontal, frontal temporal de- dementia, so FTD is, as it's known. And so it's been quite an interesting few months for my family. Okay, well, Shelly, back to you. Um, can you tell us, like, we want some statistics. We want to know like the estimated number of people sure. living with Alzheimer's and, and maybe what it is for the future. Right, absolutely. So currently they estimate that over 5 million people in the United States have Alzheimer's disease. Wow. We think by the year 2050 that number will grow to about, to about 16 million. 
And that only tells part of the story because for every person who has Alzheimer's, there are also caregivers. And so the estimates right now are that about 15 million people in the U.S. are unpaid caregivers, meaning spouses, adult children, in some cases grandchildren, or even friends and church members. And, and I would, I would like, like to address, address that term that we came, we came to terms with versus <coughs> caregiver versus caretaker. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a big difference that caretaker, you can take on way too much. Mm -hmm. Caregiver is you're actually giving care. Right. And so I wanted to, we were, uh, that was brought to light to us early on. And I think it's very important that people know the difference because being too much of a caretaker can take you over. Absolutely. So Absolutely. We use the term, at least in my world, we do say caregiver. Sometimes we even say care partner because early on, um, you want the person with Alzheimer's to do as much as they can and you want to support them. So partner, I think makes a lot of sense and that you're just there to, you're on the journey with them. You are their partner, um, as they progress. And so that sometimes can be a helpful term as well. Okay. You know, that's a great question. And the sad thing is we really don't know what causes it. Um, the thing that puts you at the greatest risk is your age. So we do know the older you get, the more likely you are to develop Alzheimer's disease as well as other types of dementia. And um, we also know that family history does play a part, but just because you have it in your family does not mean you're going to get it. So those are the two things that physicians really look at, but they don't tell the whole story. Mm. I guess not. Well, this is something I asked you when you first arrived here today. Is there any new research? You know, again, we lost my mom in April, and so we've almost kind of gotten a reprieve from this for a while from any new information because when we were at her memory care facility, we were always hearing something, of course, with the doctors and also. I'm just curious. Anything new? You know, I think there's a lot going on really across the United States in terms of research. They're looking at um, are there medications that can be helpful or preventive? Are there lifestyle changes? And even we're still looking at really good diagnostic tools because in many, many cases, people are diagnosed um, too late, frankly, and they've already been showing symptoms for many, many years, and they're beyond a point where um, the current treatments are of greatest benefit to them. So uh, one of the things that's actually being tested right now is a blood test that would be very helpful in diagnosing a person. Um, it can identify the proteins that are in the blood um, that may indicate that a person has Alzheimer's disease. So that's something that's actually being researched here um, in the Fort Worth area. But sadly, we still have a long way to go with the research. Um, the one thing I would say is that there is a lot of evidence that really points to the fact that the healthier we are, the better we take care of ourselves, the better we fare for the long term. And, um, you know, something really simple for folks to remember is healthy heart, healthy brain, because anything that affects the brain potential or anything that affects the heart um, is beneficial to the brain as well. I remember when y'all told us that. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Um, we want to go on to the, to the next question, and I know that you're going to pose that, but I think that we can all, uh, why don't we do a roundtable on those first indicators and and see what we all can say that we noticed. I'm going to pose that question. Yeah, what were the first indicators for us? Um, starting off in the distance, um, not really um, being connected with the conversation. Um, even though you may be directly talking to her only, you could tell she was not around. I mean, she was, she, she was not, you know, she wasn't comprehending. Right. And so I really, that was a noticeable difference for me when I went with Jean. It's a, just, she just wasn't, you know, whatever I was saying or anyone else was saying just wasn't relevant. You know, she kind of started off in the distance and, and usually she was so attentive, you know what I mean, and, and really engaged in what you're saying. So I remember we got married, my brother, um, after we got married. 2009. 2009, um, told me, he said, you know, is Teresa's mom okay? Because, you know, she was kind of staring off in the distance. At the so, ceremony. At the ceremony, so. And, and, and my mom began to get this hollow look in her eyes. It's just like she's there, but she wasn't there. But when she was still there, kind of going in and out of there, I remember we were at the house one day, and I was already there, and we were getting ready to go to the doctor. And I was sitting, you know, I mean, just inches from her. And we, you were, we were waiting on you to get there, Scott. And my mom looked right at me, right at me, and she said, my, uh, she said, I'm going to cry. But she said, my daughter and her son are coming to take me to the doctor. I said, Mom, 
I'm your daughter. And then she got loose again. She goes, I cannot believe I said that. And so that was one of those conversations I had to give to my three older sisters. And that was huge, y'all. That was huge. And then it just kind of went from there. What about you, Melinda? Well, I know from my family, we began to see my dad forget things, forget where he put things. And, I mean, I forget sometimes where I put things. So it was kind of hard to identify that with being a part of this horrible disease. And so I remember phone calls he would make to me, and he would be looking for a place where he had to go that he's been to many, many times. And he would call and say, where is it? Do I go left? Do I go right? And fortunately, he did have a cell phone at the time, so we were able to, to communicate via the phone and to get him to the location. When we got him back on track, he would say things like, okay, I'm okay, and I'm like, no, nope, not going to hang up till you get there and pull in the parking lot. And so it's just forgetting the familiar, and that's what really puzzled and troubled me, and that's when I began to say, this can't be right, because it's happening too frequently. I remember you telling me that. Shelly, what did you notice with your parents? An unprofessional right. statement here. So the first thing I really remember with my mom, I think most of us look back and say, wow, you know, this was going on longer than we realized. Um, but the thing that I remember, that aha moment for me, was a conversation we went to lunch one day after she had been traveling. And she told me the same story probably eight to ten times in a period of less than an hour. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can't outrun this any longer. I mean, I had been suspecting and had seen little things here and there, but that was very, very um, stereotypical of someone who has Alzheimer's disease, that repetition in the same conversation over right. and over again. And my mom, uh, of course, Scott's already mentioned we lost my dad prior to that. Maybe you said that off the air. But we let my mom grieve, you know, what we felt like was normal, but she just didn't. She wasn't getting any better, and then we noticed she wanted to sleep a lot. Uh -huh. Are you noticing that with your dad? Yes. yes. And you, Shelly, <laughs> we that's normal? Yeah, we absolutely did. And, you know, that brings up a really good point is sometimes it's hard to know what is um, Alzheimer's or dementia and what is grief or depression or um, our loved ones experiencing some kind of change that it may not be normal, but it's treatable. Um, because depression is uh, pretty common, you know, with the general population and with older adults. Mm -hmm. um, but it is treatable, it's, and it is different from dementia. And that's where I wanted to go next. Uh -huh. And you've talked about how it is diagnosed, but right. could, you, could you help everybody understand the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's and sure. these mental, or I'm sorry, memory mm -hmm. Problems? Absolutely. I, I can try. Um, so dementia is a, a term that we use and it, it refers to, uh, it's just a general or umbrella term that typically refers to a loss of memory and other intellectual abilities. That and this is dementia. Mm -hmm. okay. This is dementia. So dementia is the broad, the umbrella, the umbrella term. And then there are different types of dementia. So there are different things that fall under that umbrella. So Alzheimer's disease is the most common type. Yes. And I think that's why we hear so much about it. Frontotemporal, also FTD, which Melinda just referred to with her dad, is another type that falls under that umbrella. Um, vascular dementia, which is caused by stroke, falls under that umbrella. Parkinson's dementia is another type. So there are several that fall under the umbrella. Um, they are considered to be neurological disorders, and um, they all affect brain function. But sometimes they can manifest in slightly different ways. For instance, um, with Alzheimer's disease, usually the most... Um, frequent or the, the first thing that we typically see is um, a memory impairment. Sometimes with your frontotemporal dementia, you may see um, difficulty with judgment or people doing things that are really kind of outside the norm and not normal for their personality. So sometimes we identify um, what we call strange behaviors or inappropriate behaviors. Um, but over time, most dementia starts to look a lot alike. And no, no type of dementia is good. doesn't matter what we call it. It's not good. Mm -hmm. That's right. Wow. We saw those behaviors with my dad. You know, my mother would share things with us, and we were quite taken back because those behaviors weren't my father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, honey? What would you like to ask next? Um, maybe the common onset. You know, I mean, it's, um, age, gender, lifestyle, family history. I mean, mm -hmm. what do y'all see, you know, in the organization that really is the most common that you're seeing? Well, typically, when we talk about Alzheimer's disease, we start to see, first of all, um, by the point a person reaches 65, that's when we start to really see an increase. And more often than not, it is 
um, the memory loss that people report to us as being problematic. However, when they look back, they may notice some other things that seemed kind of odd, like social withdrawal, um, an inability to participate in activities that that person had been engaged in previously, sometimes even a change in behavior or personality. So um, I think we, we still typically associate it with memory loss, but if you look at the bigger picture, you may start to see some other things that are outside the norm. But it really is the age of 65. Uh, I believe the estimate is that about one in eight over the age of 65 will have Alzheimer's disease. Wow. And so, Shelly, is this what we had all referred to as senile senility? Back when we were kids, my parents would always talk about this person we were going to go yes. see, or we didn't see them anymore because now they're senile. Absolutely, yeah. We, we used a lot of different terms. I think we didn't really know what to call it. Um, but senile, senile dementia, um, hardening of the arteries, all of those tended to fall under the same umbrella, I think. Um, and one of the things is that we've just noticed that people live longer than they used to. You know, some people will say, well, is it more? more common um, and we definitely see it more and more but a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that we just live longer and we have better diagnostic tools now than we did okay yeah like once a person is you know diagnosed um, What's the next step? Yeah, what, what do we do first? Here we go. What do we do first? Let's tell everybody. Well, first? the first thing that I would want to do, having received a diagnosis, is I would want the physician to uh, give me an idea of what medications can be beneficial and go ahead and prescribe those and get a person on those medications immediately. The meds used to treat um, most types of dementia do not do anything to slow the actual progression or um, affect the disease as it is um, taking over the brain, frankly, but they can help with symptom management. So it's similar to, you know, if you have someone maybe who has a degenerative um, disc disease, um, you can prescribe meds that may help with the pain, but that degeneration is not going to be get better. It's going to get worse. And so the, the dementia meds are similar in that they help with symptom management, but they're not really going to make the disease better or make it go away. But we do know that they can be very beneficial, especially if a person receives an early diagnosis, those meds can offer real benefit. Okay. Wow. Wow, this just is just coming all coming back to me and just scores. What about you, Melinda? Is, is there anything you want to add before we go on? No, I think when my dad was diagnosed and they prescribed the medication, mm -hmm. you know, our neurologist described just what you described. It's not really going to help him and cure him. It's going to slow things down and make him live a little bit longer with us. And and yet. From my perspective, I've seen some kind of obscure behaviors, side effects of the medication that sometimes I wished weren't there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most people report uh, the primary side effects of the quote, quote, Alzheimer's or dementia meds are gastrointestinal upset, but everybody is different. You know, anytime you bring something into your body, um, there's a potential for side effects um, and so I think every family has to really weigh, you know, the benefit versus the cost um, and make a decision. And I think so much of what um, all of us as families want for our loved one is quality of life. Yes. And so, you know, when I talk to families in my job, I just always say, you know, what's going to bring that quality of life? Mm -hmm. um, and is it being on the meds? And in some cases, over time, it may be that that med is not serving any benefit at all but that's always a conversation too to be had with a doctor that's one thing i'd like to make clear um is that you know anything related to medications and even uh, supplements or over-the-counter meds always needs to be discussed with a doctor and never take someone off a med because you think it's not working have that conversation with a doctor too um, of course because it make it it may make the person sick if they go off of a med um cold turkey so typically you're going to wean someone off right and I just want to break and just say this real quick. If we apologize for any outside interference, you may be hearing someone is getting a roof um, today. And so that's, you're hearing some of that. Yeah. We have some special sound effects. We'll just call it that. Anyway, okay. Um, well, you know, I'm interested in the different stages. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, just the difference. Uh, we saw the different progressions and stages with Teresa's mom, with Jean. <coughs> sometimes it would be slow. Sometimes, oh, my gosh. Overnight, it would be so suddenly, you know, you just see a total change. 
Yeah. Well, we'll go back to talking specifically right now about Alzheimer's. And if anybody's interested, you can actually go to the Alzheimer's Association website. It's just alz.org. And that outlines what we consider the seven uh, stages of Alzheimer's disease. And no one fits cleanly into any one stage, but I think it really helps to give folks a context um, for understanding the changes that they're seeing in a loved one. And it helps them to understand what may be coming. Um, it's really interesting, but not everyone is affected in exactly the same way. And then even, for instance, with Teresa's mom, it's certainly possible um, based on age and other health you know, <coughs> conditions. Sometimes you may have people who have Alzheimer's, but they may have a little stroke, and that might account for a change in behavior or good days and bad days. Um, plus, frankly, they're just like us. You know, They have good days and bad days. We have days when we sleep well. We have other days when we don't. Um, or we may be agitated for some reason that sometimes we frankly can't even put into words. Um, but we do have the seven stages on our website. Um, typically now you'll hear most uh, professionals just refer to Alzheimer's disease stages as mild, moderate, and severe. Um, and that just, again, you know, those, those stages help you to understand that there is a progression. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. wow. I just, I'm just at such a loss here because there's, there's, we have such little time, and there's so many things that we want to, you know, talk about here. What about you, Melinda? You look kind of like something's on your mind, too. No, I just think about when, when I see my dad. He has these moments of, of being just so far out there and then moments of being right on top of it, still the person he was before the diagnosis. And I guess we talk about being, him being lucid at, at, at most points. Um, the thing that gives me comfort and peace with this situation with my father is is the lucid moments he does have. Yes, absolutely. His, his lucid moments are, um, he might not recognize one of us walking into the room, his children, his grandchildren, his wife, um, and for the most part he has recognized us all, all the time. But when a stranger walks into the room, he'll say, they'll ask him questions. How are you feeling? Are you hungry? The questions they ask, um, the medical staff ask. And then he'll always say, just like the neurologist, was asking him a lot of questions through the testing. And he said, may I ask you a question? And of course, most people are kind and say, you may. And he'll say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I love wow. that about your dad. And he can be, I mean, just so lucid in that moment. And then some people have said yes, and some people have actually said no. And some people have said that's private and personal. I don't care to talk about that in public. And he proceeds to tell them that that is your job to talk about it in public. And so. All of his therapists, all of his doctors, people that come into the room, the nurses, the LVNs, the CNAs, whoever they are, they all know that my dad is going to ask them where they stand spiritually because that is his concern to this day. That's who my dad is. Um, and I think about people that he has led to the Lord through this. And I think about just through his whole life how um, when he had his company, he gave every employee when they came to work for him a Bible, and he challenged them to read the Proverbs every single day. And in his, his and my mom's thinking is it will change your life when you take God's Word to heart and you apply it every single day. And knowing the Scripture and knowing the Proverbs and telling you exactly how to live, the wisdom that it's full of, that's what he expresses to uh, the people that enter his room. And so every day we continue to read the Proverbs to him along with other things. And he'll stop you and say, well, you know what that means, and you're like, Okay, Dad, you couldn't even tell me that it was Sunday, you know, or Monday or Tuesday, but you can tell me what Proverbs 15, 12 said. Yes. Well, I know Teresa's mom, you know, Jean, I mean, you know, we would read uh, Psalms 23, you know, together. And um, she was so cute. I mean, she could actually, she read better than any of us. I mean, Without she, her glasses. She, you know, she would see things on the TV and she'd go 51, you know, or, or whatever's coming across. You know, she 12 dollars you know, 99 you know, for a price. As seen on TV. Yeah. She was so cute, you know, and, you know, but she would read Psalms She thinks she could read is what we're saying. Yeah, we'd read the Bible together. You know, those are really precious moments for me. But she, we read to her that one time, and yeah. she got through that first verse, and Scott's like, okay, Jean, go ahead and read the second one. And she goes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then she, and then I go, that's good, Jean. I said, well, go ahead and read the next one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so we did that for about 30 minutes, you know, it was wonderful. So sweet. And she usually was drinking a chocolate and sure. And inevitably, she would look at me and go, you want some? 
I go, you know what, Jean, I'll just take lunch. I think I'm okay. You know, she go, it's really good. Yeah. And I said, no, ma'am, I'm fine. You know, but she, you know, what Alzheimer's tried to steal from her, she had never stole the fact that she's a lady. Yeah. Just like it never stole the fact that your dad is in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jean, Jean was, and still is, of course, in love with Jesus. But the fact is, it never stole that part of them. It took a lot away. But that was inevitably ingrained in them. And so that's, that's really comforting for me, you know, to know that. Well, you know, and the Bible talks about, you know, we all know the enemy is all about confusion. If there was ever a disease from the enemy, it is this one because it is all about confusion. And I want to look at you, Melinda, and just tell you what a blessing that is for your dad to maintain that. And we pray that he will continue. My mom was a very kind and gentle person, and it became extreme, and we were so grateful for that because some people are not that fortunate. There's some real shifts in their personality. I've heard stories and we know of another friend, it complete opposite. We're talking profanity and horrible things, hateful. And so there's no reason, there's no cause for that, right? You know, there's really no um, easy explanation, I think, for the changes that we see. Uh, one thing that I just really like to reinforce with people is that this disease is causing brain failure. Literally, the brain is dying. And so um, sometimes we, you know, we get so focused on what they're doing and how they're behaving, and it's not them, and that's true. But we have to remember that it is, it's not their fault um, and that it really is a disease. And, you know, it's so often, not always, but often, you can look at pictures even in my my folks, um, you know, within a couple of years of my mom's passing. And if you didn't know, she looks perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, even in those pictures, she was nonverbal. She was not, she couldn't tell you her name. She couldn't tell you, you know, the name of her children that she had ever been married. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, I mean, she was sick. There was a severe disease that was taking over, you know, her brain and her body. And so I think we have to keep that in mind. And, you know, it's really sad because we, a lot of us have those moments, um, that are just precious, you know, when our parents are able to minister, um, or say those words of encouragement to us or someone else, but a lot of us don't. Um, and so, you know, I think you just, you have to be thankful for, you know, the good. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that my dad lives in a nursing home and he has, um, dementia, but he always knows my name. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. I love walking in. I love getting a kiss from my dad and saying, love you, daddy. And hearing him say that right back. Well, we were, we were just grateful that my mom was so funny because she comes from a line of comedians and that, that really helped us a lot because she, and she would play on that. She has four daughters and, and we would say, mom, you know, I might say, what's my name? She goes, don't you know? Well, you tell me. Or, or, and we would say, you know, they love the whole music therapy. You might want to talk about that is so true. And she would, she, my mom would, I don't know. She would just go off a different place. And she so made, we, she made noises a lot. we would start singing to her. We would sing, you are my sunshine. And she loved that song. So Scott and I were in there singing it to her one day. And she always would stop and just nod her head and go to the beat of the song and, and even mouth the words. And when we finished singing it this one particular day, she went, that was awful. And we said, well, thanks, Mom. <laughs> you, just, you just never knew what was going to come out. But she did. She could, she could play us. Like, well, what's your name? Like I said, she said, well, don't you know? Those kind of things were funny. And, again, we're just, we're just grateful for that. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I just uh, want to take a quick break right now. And uh, just read a scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. And uh, this kind of describes, you know, the person with Alzheimer's and their caregiver. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay of jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That's good, honey. I mean, that's, that's Alzheimer's in, in a nutshell, you know. Um, sometimes we do feel knocked down, um, you know, whether you're the person with Alzheimer's or the caregiver. I mean, it's not easy being a caregiver. I mean... It's a 24-7 job, and, and I just want to give a shout-out for everyone 
who's a caregiver for people with Alzheimer's or dementia, any, any form of dementia. Um, my goodness, what, what a blessing you are to that person. And um, just like we used to tell each other, you know, Jean doesn't know who we are, but we know who she is. That's exactly right. And that's why we go by there. That's why we see her, because we just remember, man, what a wonderful person she is. This was the first time I didn't go and see her. Scott works on the holidays, so every Thanksgiving I would go and see my mom until it was time to go be with my, my family. And, you know, all these firsts that we're, we're experiencing right now. And so and when, when did your mom pass away? What month? Um, interestingly, my mom passed away the day before Mother's Day oh. in 2011. But, you know, I have to tell you um, that it was not a, a grief process for us because we had lost her a long time before she passed. Um, and so for, I think for our family, there was a great sense of relief and, um, you know, there's some, some, a lot of books out there, but one of them is called The Long Goodbye. And I think that really explains the caregiver experience um, with Alzheimer's disease because it, it can last for so long and it's a very complicated grief. And so for many people, we just grieve along the way um, mm -hmm. at, you know, at the time of diagnosis, as we start to see changes, um, as we may move a loved one into a facility if needed. And so our grief process is different um, than the typical grief process. Is. I, rem I remember when, I remember when my mom, like you had mentioned too earlier, Melinda, just when they do those normal things, like when she would, I would just look up and maybe she was holding my hand. And how, how many years do we take that for granted? Our parents just embracing us or holding us and that those hugs disappeared. So whenever she did touch my, and she, she played with my hair a lot. She'd always touch my jewelry and my clothes and my hair. And those, those moments just became so precious to me. What about you, Melinda? Just to hear my dad say, you know, when you say, just like Shelly said, I love you, Daddy. It's the same thing. You kiss him, you tell him you love him, you'll see him tomorrow. And he always responds and says, I love you too. Yeah. I felt like she was on, we were on a, a rope. Mom was on one end and we were on the other and we were trying to just pull her back. Just pull her back in and she, and it just, you just couldn't, you just couldn't pull him, pull him back and they were just drifting away. Yeah. So. Well, you know, Shelly, would you explain to our audience when do you when when is the time for to enter your one of your loved ones in a facility? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe the cost, the insurance. I mean, you know, um, home care. Yeah, you know, that really is a $24 million question. And I think uh, partly because every person with dementia is different and partly because every family situation is different. You know, one of the simple things I can say is, you know, are they a danger to themselves or someone else? Um, that's one one tool that you can use to look at it. Um, and then certainly I think we absolutely have to look at the stress of the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my dad um, actually made the decision to move my mom and he had just reached a point where he physically could not do all that she needed done. Um, he was in his late 70s, yes. and he was waking up every morning having to change soiled sheets and to get her up and dressed and fed and ready for the day, plus himself, plus, you know, take care of his own health needs. And it just reached a point where he physically could no longer do that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was even with my support and my brothers and, you know, his very supportive church family, too. I mean, they were just great. Um, but, you know, there's only so much you can do physically. Mm -hmm. um, and sadly, one of the things that I think sometimes prevents families from making a decision to move a loved one is it's just so very expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it depends on the, the choice of the facility, but, um, and this is specific. I know, I know this broadcast is being heard, um, you know, all over the United States, but just in Texas, you know, some of your nicer high-end facilities can be as much as $6,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know many people who can afford that. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes a matter of, you know, piecing together what you can afford, um, you know, what may be covered by Medicare or Medicaid or VA benefits. And it gets to be very complicated. Um, but I will say that's one of the things that the Alzheimer's Association can help with is, you know, we can do our best to help folks tease out um, the best option and how they may be able to pay for 
um, those services and resources. Yeah. But I, I personally think, especially when it terms to get in terms of getting help, the sooner the better. It doesn't mean you have to move your loved one, but just to have somebody come in and give the caregiver a break. Yes, we did um, that. Yeah, it's ex- just exhausting when you are um, a 24-7 caregiver, or you may not be 24-7, but you're working full-time, and then you know going home at the end of the day and uh, trying to provide that support and that physical care. Right. It's overwhelming. Well, Melinda, I know that you're just sitting over there taking all this in, because this is all still new to you. What What's going on with you right at this moment? What are you thinking? Well, I think when Shelly says it's, you, you, you just know when it's time to do something. We, we really didn't have a choice. My dad had to have some surgery at the beginning of November. And when we went for a follow-up, you know, that's when things began to progressively just go faster and faster downhill, um, not eating, not walking, not having any desire to get up or do those types of things. And we had a follow-up appointment from the surgery, so we had to get him up. And that's when, uh, since that moment on November 19th, we've had him either in the hospital or at a skilled nursing facility. And Shelly's right, the costs are exorbitant. And you, we are trying to figure out how are we going to pay for it, how are we going to, even though there is insurance. But it is very time-consuming, and, and, and it weighs heavy on your heart at all times because you want the best for them at all times. Alzheimer's at all times. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Well, you know, this is a touchy um, question, but, you know, when, when someone is diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's, or what is the lifespan, I mean, the, the normal lifespan after they're diagnosed? On average, they say it's 8 to 10 years. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's just, that's just kind of the norm. I mean, I've known people who live 15 years after a diagnosis. And again, I think so many things factor in. Um, I think their age at the time of diagnosis. I think um, other health problems. Um, Interestingly for my mom, she was really healthy. The only thing she had besides the the Alzheimer's was arthritis, which is not life limiting typically. Um, And I think sometimes it even can be affected by the family dynamic and the ability to act source resources. Can I just ask you real quick, Mm -hmm. did she have um, high blood pressure? Um, you know what? My mom didn't really have any major issues with blood pressure. Any depression? Um, depression is, that's a great question. I think she had depression that went undiagnosed. Yes. Yeah. But because you meant in the very beginning of this podcast, we mentioned what, what affects the heart affects the brain and also what, what affects, I think, our, our emotional, you know, emotions as part of our, what goes on in our brain as well. And I, I just, you know, my mom took blood pressure medication. And, and that has to do with the whole sure. system there. Right. And, and depression, like you say, going untapped, it has to uh-huh. do with the brain. Absolutely. And I would say, so let's, let's back up a minute then in terms of heart problems. So one of the things that I'm hearing from the medical world is that it's not necessarily the absence of heart um, issues, whether blood pressure or, you know, blocked arteries, whatever, but um, are we managing those issues? Because a lot of that stuff is treatable. You know, blood pressure is treatable. Even depression is treatable. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is treatable. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's having, I think part of, maybe part of the prevention story is having a relationship with with a physician, seeing the doc on a regular basis, and then managing and treating the things that can be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Now, isn't it true that once uh, you really don't know a lot about the intake of food and what all's in this stuff that we're putting in our bodies that we're all hearing more more about, whether it's metal or fluoride or all these kind of things, those things can't be detected in an Alzheimer's patient until there's an autopsy. And then they can discover what all was there, right? You know, that's true. People ask me often, um, you know, what environmental factors do we think really affects Alzheimer's disease? And that's, I think that's a, a legitimate question. The one thing I will say is that if you go back to the quote, quote, beginning of Alzheimer's. Like when we first identified it, it was Dr. Alzheimer and he was, um, in Germany. It was 1906 Mm -hmm. when he first discovered, um, he autopsied a brain and found those changes that, that were occurring, the pathological, um, you know, cells in the brain. And so I think we have to kind of step back and say, Hey, our environment now is really different than what it was in 1906. So I'm not sure that environment tells the whole story, but I certainly think that, it, you know, we have to look at that, but we know that Alzheimer's disease probably 
actually existed, you know, long before even 1906. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't know what to call it or, you know, we called it senility. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that may be part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, sadly we do know what, um, we know how to take care of ourselves. We know what health looks like. We don't typically embrace it. Mm-hmm. What's well, like with autism? You know, you're hearing more and more about these children, even adults that have autism. Why all of a sudden is it seem to does it seem to be more prevalent? What's going on with us? You know, and we've tried to make the shift and eat as much many things as organic as we can and stuff out not in a can anymore and all these kinds of things. And I don't mind making those kind of changes. Those are not that inconvenient for me. And I, you know, I want to learn about what all is in food and all of that. But you know, it it just seems like it's just everywhere. And again, the whole autism thing isn't mm-hmm. there kind of a correlation with that because I've heard that um you know I've not seen any research that connects autism with Alzheimer's disease so I really don't know it doesn't okay. mean there's not a connection uh-huh. I just don't know what it is and you know again I go back to just healthy heart healthy brain yes. so much of what we know is you know eat things in moderation and mm-hmm. um, someone said to me once and I think this makes a lot of sense you know, eat less and move more. And it, I mean, it truly could be that simple. And even if it doesn't prevent Alzheimer's (laughs) or another type of dementia, what did, if it even just delayed the onset of those symptoms by a couple of years, think of the quality of life that we would have. Think of the money that we would save, um, by not having to move into a facility or, you know, hire help to come into the home. Right, and we want to really encourage everybody right now with the holidays and all these parties that we're going to, and we're not working out like we were because we're so tired from being up so late or whatever the case may be. You know, whenever you, we got a party we're going to tonight, but I can promise you we'll do the best we can to get back on track tomorrow and do things in, in moderation um, and, and do all we know to take care of ourselves. You want to say anything more there? Just. Yeah, just, just take care of yourself. <laughs> I mean, I know that, so that like, like my, in, in my family, we've had a lot, you know, the enemy I feel like has been present in the last couple of months from car wrecks, from my brother-in-law getting hit on his bicycle, to broken ribs, to lots of health issues. And so it's really kind of pinpointed down to one person being there around the clock. And I do have a full-time job, so it is very difficult to work all day and then you leave from your job and you go straight to the facility where we do have my father and then I leave there 10 11 12 o'clock at night get home and start my day again and it's like eat less move more wow what a concept Uh and and in the correlation with Alzheimer's and 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 autism it's just like Shelly said there's really not hadn't seen the published (laughs) connection but it's just taking better care of yourself what my parents did you know 70 years ago there is no way you and I are going to do it today. Mm-hmm. Just because we do have better health care and we have better uh, facilities and better things that we can make ourselves healthier and to eat less and move more. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, we're all about recovery in this ministry, and there's a saying, the slogan that we say, when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well no, I know this has been a great podcast. I mean, you know, personally for me, I mean, even though Gene has, has passed on and, and not suffering with Alzheimer's anymore, um, it, it kind of puts things to light, you know what I mean? And, and, and for people that are listening to us today around the world, um, we just like to, you know, we just hope that this is this has helped you in some way. I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it, this is what Teresa was saying earlier. It, it, it is an enemy from the gates of hell. It really is. And really for the person who is the caregiver or the family member, uh, you really are going through that. We, we really, we, we, we feel for you. We pray for you. And uh, I know that this podcast has helped me. And we pray that it's helped you as well. And we did want to emphasize something personally that we, when it all was over with, that we discovered. And again, our ministry is about uh, beginning again and mm-hmm. being in God's presence and, and being present in the moment. That is one thing that we learned from my mom. Everything was about right then. She lived in the moment. We could leave the room and come back and it was all new again. And it was like a child. And the, the Bible talks about us coming to him as a child. And, and that's what it was like. And, and that excitement that was always new and everything was a first. And wow, and it was a big deal. And you just go, I learned so much from being with her and, and 
that may sound weird to people listening and until you're walking in these shoes and we pray that you know you're you're okay with whatever stage that you're dealing with but that's how we found comfort and and how we learned to when we were there man we were there just like she was there and being present was probably the greatest lesson i learned from my mom and how that spoke volumes to me she had no worries she didn't know how bad things were it was all about Right then. That's right. Right. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And the things you learn from them, the stories they tell you. I mean, you can just mention something, a word, and it triggers a story. It yeah. triggers a memory. And you're like, I never knew that. I know. Jean was so cute. I know. Uh, and Shelly, one time I was, I was uh, sitting next to her, and she looked at me. She said, uh, I thought you died. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm, I'm still here. So that's it. That's good. I'm glad you're still here. I appreciate you saying that, Jean. You know, but she was so cute. You know, and uh, but she just, you know, when you walked in the room, even though she didn't know who you were, she lit up the room. It could be pitch dark, and it could be bright with Jean there because she was so awesome. So sweet. And that that's our that's our takeaway. Mm-hmm. And we want ever we want you to what thing maybe you have some more you want to say, but we're wanting to wrap it up. That's what we want to leave everybody with from our perspective. What about you, Shelley? Well, I just think, um, and we've all kind of hinted at this, but you just really, you know, being around our loved ones gives us perspective. Um, it really teaches us to live yes. in the moment yes. and to be appreciated, you know, appreciative of, of anything that happens. You know that that smile or that hug or you know all of a sudden you realize hey they do know who I am today Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a gift it's Mm -hmm. a gift from God um but then you know also uh, something that we teach in the the Alzheimer's world is just to join their journey wherever they are just meet them there you know if it's a good day it's a good day if it's a bad day you know that's okay too we just affirm where they are what they're feeling um and we're just there to support them Mm -hmm. my challenge to to our listening audience is this because it's been one of my greatest challenges is find out what type of insurance your parents have. If it long-term care, short-term care, whatever they have, just find out and know because we didn't really know, we know now, and we know what we're, you know, being being responsible for and what, what we have to do. Um, short-term, long-term, you know, you, you find out real quick you don't have long-term and you're like, oh my gosh, who's gonna take care? Who's gonna pay for it? What if, you know, we have to sell someone's home. You know, what do you have to do? and and you're not really prepared for all of that. So yeah. just it's as it, hard as it is to look at your mother or father in the eye and say, what type of health care do you have? Do you have life insurance? Do you have, you have to ask those pertinent questions. That's right. That's awesome. Well, you know, I just, uh, I want to personally thank, thank Shelly uh, for being here. <coughs> we will definitely put your information on our Facebook okay, page. Okay, great. Great. Which is thank still you. pretty new. <laughs> But uh, anything else that you want to tell me about later, we'll put on there. Okay, and I'd really like to thank Shelly, who's the program manager for Alzheimer's for the Northern Region. Is that correct? That is correct, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, I mean, what a blessing. And Melinda, our very dear friend who um, is just now going uh, through this, this journey is what we like to call it. It's just another journey on life uh, with her dear father. So, And we've been through many together journeys, Melinda and I, but that's a whole other podcast. That's another podcast. And I stand the <laughs> so that I've known her since the sixth grade, not the ninth grade. My goodness. Oh. Okay. And they both look the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we just like to thank everyone here. You know, honey, I, I will say one thing through, through uh, this, going through this with your mom, um, if we didn't have a relationship with Christ, it, it I'm not it, it would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it right now, it would have been impossible to to go through it without that rock, without, without that relationship, um, because knowing that your mom had a strong relationship with Jesus, and with our relationship with God, that was that connection, you know. It was always there. I mean, when you walked into her room, you know, if you, if, if you knew Jesus and if you have a relationship with him, you, there was just a light. Like I said earlier, just shine. Because, you're, and I always would pray that, that, that the caregivers that were taking care of Jean, when they walked in her room, that they would realize that they're waiting on a woman of God. Not just some woman with Alzheimer's. A woman who devoted her life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And with that knowing, it, it made it better for us. 
Because we knew she was going home where she always wanted to be. You know, she always wanted to be home with, with the Lord. I just thank I just thank God for that. But you know, I I'm just wondering and I'm praying for those around the world right now, wherever you are, whether you be in the Middle East or United Kingdom or Canada or United States. Are you having a tough time with this? It's normal that be having a tough time, wouldn't you say, hon? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing and one person that can help you, and his name is Jesus. No matter how much you love your mom, no matter how much you love your dad or your sibling or whoever's going through this horrible disease, nobody loves more than God. And nobody loves you more than God. Well, I tell you, if, if, uh, if you've never given your life to Christ, we'd love for you to consider to do that today. And he's going to help you. He's going to give you that peace that you, you're thinking, I have no peace. He'll give you that peace. Peace that passes all understanding that you cannot believe that you're peaceful when you're going through this with your loved one. So if you've never given your life to him, and maybe you thought you did years ago as a child or a young adult, and you're realizing today that you never did with your heart, with your sincere heart. We'd love for you to do that right now. And all you have to do is pray this prayer after us. Please know that you're saved. And Jesus is there for you. Please pray with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Lord, we know you died on the cross, that you rose on the third day. And because of that cross, you say, if we ask you to forgive us for our sins with a sincere heart, our sins will be forgiven. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I give you my life today. I give you my mind, my heart, and my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all so much. And if you did pray that prayer of salvation, we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page. And just like us. Please like us. And, and comment and share this, uh, this uh, podcast with many, many people around the world. This is a podcast that millions need to hear. It's so essential. And again, thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Melinda. You guys are a blessing. And uh, I know many people are going to be helped from this. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow. We've yeah. got a special podcast tomorrow, too. It's just going to be you. Yes, it is. I'm going to put on my producer hat, and Scott's yeah. just gonna, got a word for, for you guys and girls listening, so be sure to listen tomorrow. And then Thursday, we're, we're going to do just Troy. I'm sorry. Wednesday. Dog. Scott's word is Wednesday. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I need some more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as always, we've enjoyed being with you. Thank you for letting us take up your time, and until... We talk to you whenever that's going to be. Yeah. Keep living it up. Well, I'll be getting it again. <laughs>